Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of the Aviation Spotters Podcast. I am your host, Colin Moser. Guys, last week's episode with Ryan was fantastic, wasn't it? Really genuine, great guy, and he does mean it. If you have any questions whatsoever, reach out to him. He really does mean that. He is one of those shiny beacons in the aviation photography world. And also, if you guys haven't followed him, please go follow him because you will not be disappointed about the stuff that he posts and what he has done, especially with some of his former employers. Anyway, guys, so we are on episode 23, and, uh, you know, I, I said let's keep it on the East Coast, you know? I, I think I think that would be nice. From Fort Lauderdale, Florida, it is my pleasure to introduce my friend, Mr. Anthony Ferrone. Anthony, good evening. How are you doing? Good. How are you, man? Good. Thanks for coming on. I know we've been trying to make this work for the past couple of days. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been uh, a struggle. It's been a struggle. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm not going to cut that part out. Screw it. Screw it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm um, the first. I get some FaceTimes all that stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's so popular. He's just in high demand, guys. So it means I am at desperation point for the podcast to get people on here. On here. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I haven't started asking for money yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Next phase. Next but, phase. Um, but yeah, anyway, dude, thanks for agreeing to come on. I know it's late over there, um, but uh, I really do appreciate your willingness to keep trying and make it this happen. So, but anyway, dude, let's get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Does it keep going off? Oh my god. Bro. <laughs> it's a group call. Okay. I'm gonna yeah. f- oh my god. Okay. Swear to okay. God. So. <laughs> my bad. Let's get to know you a little bit. So let's tell the listener where you're from and how you got into aviation and photography. So, uh, my name is Anthony Farone. Uh, I'm 19. I turned 20 on Tuesday. Uh, so, birthday coming up. Uh, I basically started aviation when I was younger. Uh, I was maybe, God, three years old. Uh, my grandparents, they started taking me to the airport for Audio Hollywood International Airport. Uh, Ron Gardner back in early 2000s, you know, I remember Northwest, Midwest, Continental, some of the coolest planes of the century, some of the cool, cool, coolest airlines, you know, airlines that are now gone, that I still remember, you know, seeing as a kid, and it was just, you know, one of the things that I used to love, and, you know, I wasn't the best, you know, behaved little child, you know, I used to be a little bit rowdy, but, you know, one of the things that my grandparents always used to love was take me to the airport because they knew it was something that they could do with me, and... <laughs> and it was one of the things that they could do with me that would get me calm and keep me cool and it wouldn't, you know, really interfere with, you know, the rest of our lives because it was something that we could all enjoy together as a family. Dude, I've one of my first memories is flying on a Northwest DC nine and Northwest seven two seven. Um that's that's a Northwest Airlines for me was a big part of my life and um, you know, Continental well Continental's still somewhat around. I mean, their airplanes are still painted like theirs is just a united brand slapped on top of them but um midwest yeah uh, what's really funny is i collect airline tags and really I started, yeah so i actually started collecting airline tags back in like the early 2000s so we used to find the toronto pearson a lot a lot of international traffic so i have a concor tag from british airways my most prized possessions um i have twa i have pan am 
I have all these old heirlooms that don't really exist anymore, too. I have, oh, I have a really awesome part, uh, collection of all the British Airways flat. You know the old British Airways, how they used to have the, like, their special tails for the 747s back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I wish I could have caught those back then. So I never caught those because I was, was I couldn't even hold a camera yet. But they did, like, some of their airline tags featured those, and I had their full collection of those. So... I really used to cool have, stuff. yeah. I used to have a model of one of their 747s. You know, I used to love those tags, like the or the the tails with all the artwork on them. I thought they were so cool. What's what's kind of funny is Midwest uh, Midwest Airlines. It took me years in Toronto to get me that airline tag. They never ever had them, and one day I I got one, and so I was like, that that's Midwest Airlines. I brought back brought that back. God, yeah. So. So you, so your grandparents got you into it, man. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, my, yeah. my dad got my dad got me into to, to aviation, especially. I just remember flying on Northwest and and all those cool things. You get any photos of any Northwest uh, aircraft or Continental stuff before the before their mergers? Uh, one of the well, one of the things I remember, um, you know, back in the day, uh, I think it was around two thousand three, four, five, around that era. Um, you know, we had the Fort Lauderdale Air Show. And um, I remember uh, American Airlines and DHL used to always do like um, uh, basically like you know demonstrations of like their new aircraft, and um, they w- it was one of the best airshows in the world. I mean, it was sponsored by McDonald's. Like, I mean, they had like this like massive you know uh, budget for airlines and stuff that they could do. And I remember there's a photo that I still have in my room of uh, me at like five years old uh, on the beach and there's an American 757 doing like this massive like 180 bank behind me and it was just one of the coolest things I remember was like seeing these like commercial airplanes I remember I think there was a a DHL like DC-8 in one of them like it was incredible it was incredible like I don't know how they would have pulled like some of these airlines off to come to this air to come to this air show but they were able to do it every year and I remember that was one of the coolest things was like seeing these like commercial airplanes doing these crazy stunts, and I was like, God, that's so cool, you know? Yeah, and we're gonna talk about the DCA in a bit because ooh, you have you catch my unicorn every time. <laughs> but uh, man, it's like kind of with United, how United did the uh, the SFO, what is it, the the Fleet Week or whatever? Oh it was. yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. With the the, tr- the no, seven the seven four, and it would go over the Golden Gate Bridge. Like that's so sick. Plus, it's like it gets even better. Like American Zone Five Sevens. I think the American Chrome Five Seven was the best looking Zone Five Seven ever. Absolutely, what the photo has in it is an American Chrome Seven Five Seven. But I'm sorry, but a Seven Four Seven doing aerobatics take my money. I they, that air show man. I think uh, there's a famous photo. I mean, I was literally an infant, like a few months old back in. I think they had the two the 2001 air show. I think American Airlines. That's when they got their first ever Triple Seven Two Hundred ER. And they actually did a flyback for all oh, those like a famous photo out there of um, the seven twenty seven and the seven and the triple seven doing like a flyback like five hundred feet above the beach like in front of all these people <laughs> like there's a, there's some photo out there that you could look up of like like seven like seven twenty seven triple seven American for other like, air show flyby and it's like right on the beach and you can see them right and they're right on top of each other and it's just insane it's just like I don't even know how they can pull this stuff off. But I think they just wow. wanted to show it off because it was just like one of like the brand new things that they got, and it was just so happened like being them. I think it was in Miami like at the time, and they were just like, you know what? Let's go and show this air show like you know who who we are and what we just got because you know back then you know that air show was considered the Super Bowl of air shows, and I mean it was there was hundreds of thousands of people that would show up, and I mean hundreds of thousands because 
the beaches in those photos from back then, I mean, you could not even find a place to spot, like, to sit. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. It was literally insane about the amount of people that would show up because back then it used to be just so, so good. And it used to, I think uh, they also had one year, like, the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds. So I mean, it's just like one of those times where, you know, I wish I could go back and remember, like, all those different memories from my childhood. You know, it was just yeah. so cool back then. Some of the aviation stuff yeah. that you reminisce. Nah, I'm the same way about that. I mean, I wish I could go back in time and uh, kind of, we used to we used to get bull charters for, like, for, this, uh, Florida State used to come play in the in the Micron Computer Bowl at the time, uh, years and years ago, and Northwest Airlines used to charter them into 330 and the DC-10. Oh, wow. Imagine. So, so just for the, the people that are listening that don't know the, the geographical location, so Fort Lauderdale is another airport in the greater Miami area, right? Yeah, we're uh, we're like a big tri-county area. We're actually, I believe, the seventh most populated area in the country. Um, it's a huge just area of the southeast part of uh, Florida, and it's literally just Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. And Fort Lauderdale is situated perfectly right in the middle. Um, it's a perfect spot, you know, for spotting because, you know, I have Palm Beach, 50 minutes to the north of me in Miami, 50 minutes to the south of me. Uh, so <clears throat> I'd say it's just definitely a perfect spot for uh, spotting in just for, for commercial lovers, basically. Uh, if you're a military person, I don't know if this is the best area, honestly, because like we have Key West <clears throat> um, and we have Tampa and Homestead, but it's nothing compared to some of the other parts of the country where, I mean, they get some of the craziest stuff. But it's definitely a great place for spotting that, you know, I never really feel bored. Even in the middle of the pandemic, I never really felt like I was, you know, bored of spotting. I felt, oh, my gosh, you know, there's this coming, there's that coming. It was never yeah. really, you know, dead. It was always, you know, alive and vibrant. And I know Miami is also one of those awesome awesome airports to spot at but let's continue this question is since you probably i probably know the answer to this but what would you consider your home airport i honestly yeah for Lauderdale airport um i it's it's always my home airport you know it feels like a second home to me you know i i spend a lot of my time out there you know even even in college right now <clears throat> i always tend to do a lot of my you know my studying and my schoolwork actually at the airport because, you know, I just find it so peaceful and just calming to go there and watch the airplanes come in and out. And even if I'm not spotting, you know, I just love to go by there and just check it out. And, you know, sometimes I'll bring my camera and you never know what kind of rare stuff you'll get at that airport. You know, Fort Lauderdale, Miami are one of those places where you'll show up one day and you just happen to spot, oh, this 767 just came out of nowhere. Or, oh, what is this awesome G650 that came in from, like, you know, Bologna, Italy? You know, and it's in like, this awesome livery and you... It's just like these little gems every now and then that you're just like, oh my god, I'm so glad that I was here to spot that. It's, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> so what other hobbies outside of uh, spotting do you enjoy? You know, before I uh, got, I went to college, I was actually, you know, a singer in high school. Um, I used to do a lot of acapella stuff and choir stuff. Uh, I was in a, a boys choir that used to travel the world. I mean, we've been to Italy, Spain, uh, South Africa, Argentina, all these, all these places. Um... I got to sing at Carnegie Hall in my junior year of high school, you know, with my acapella group. It was awesome. It was just, you know, I've, uh, that's one of the things about aviation and, you know, that's outside of aviation actually, is singing. You know, it was one of the things that, you know, brought me, you know, peace outside of aviation. But it was also something that was able to incorporate my love of aviation for flying into something that was outside. 
you know, because we had to travel to all these different different destinations. We didn't get to travel, you know, on all these cool different airlines, you know, like Air France, Air India, you know, Aerolinas, Argentinas, uh, and just to fly around. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that my hobby outside of you know aviation is is really singing and just music in general. I love listening to classical music. Um, I love. I used to write my own music, you know, back in high school. Uh, and I also love uh, cooking. You know, my, my father is actually a chef uh, down here in South Florida. And uh, he's taught me a few things or a uh, few thing or two, you know, about cooking in the kitchen. And I love to go out and, you know, make my own lunch and dinner and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, not really have to, you know, worry about something that I heat up from like a frozen meal packet or, you know, going out and getting something because I know I can cook it now. So it's one of my few things that I like awesome. to do. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great, great start. So let's let's start talking about the more uh, specific stuff. So let's talk about cameras, man. So what have you used in the past, and what's your current setup now? So my first camera was oh my god, it was back. Uh, it, this was actually even for spotting. It was for I used to be uh, in the trains. I used to a lot of do uh, like rail fang and stuff like that. It was one of those Canon point and shoots, and I remember using it back in the day. And I used to go to Fort Lauderdale every now and then and take a few photos here and there of some of the airplanes that I would see. Um, but that was my first ever camera, and I remember, and I, I cherished it to this day. I still have it. Um, so small, so tiny compared to what I use now. But then I believe in, uh, I, I uh, back in December of 2015, I transferred to a regular, it was, I think, a crop sensor camera. It was just a Canon T5, Rebel T5i. Just one of those camera, you know, one of those Canon kit cameras, you know, that you got, like, the 75-300 lens and the 18-55 millimeter lens, you know, that would go to the airport and you could say that you got, you know, these photos. And I used that for a long, long time. Um, but then I kind of was like, you know what, this camera's kind of getting old, you know, I needed a new one. And it's been about, you know, three or four years. So then I upgraded to the uh, Canon 16 Mark II, which is what I currently use. Um, it's one of my favorite cameras. I love the quality. I love the shutter speed. I love just everything about it is so sharp and great and I can use it anywhere and feel like it's reliable. <laughs> so it's, yeah. one of, it's definitely one of my favorite things that I use right now and I can't wait to see where I go in the future with some of my next cameras. Yeah, the, the 6D is one of those uh, cameras that's up there with like the D500. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those really, really top end crop bodies and you know, for aviation, you know, a crop body is probably more beneficial in a full frame. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, what, what's your lens set up? So funny, funny story actually. So when I was back in, uh, back in, uh, I think 2019, you know, I was up in Orlando catching one of the Star Wars planes, and I believe I tried to put my 18 to 55 millimeter lens that I have on my new uh, full frame uh, 6D camera, and I couldn't fit it for some reason. And so now what I have is my Rebel T5i I use for uh, wide angle shots, and my 6D I use for just your average shots, you know, with, uh, I have a 100-400 millimeter Canon, uh, white lens, uh, that I use. I love it. It's so versatile. It's something that, even on the ramp, when I go airside, it's something that I can always use and always count on to be, uh, sharp and just great with focusing. I did used to use a 75 to 300, but a lot of people know if they watch my story that when I was up in Orlando, I had a little incident with that. Um, but right now I only use an 18-55 on my T5i and I use my 100-400 on my 60. I have that same 100 to 400 lens, Mark the Mark II one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is, oh, <laughs> man, man. 
That's what swayed me to go Canon, is Canon had the quality glass overnight. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful lens. I mean, even even the pre-owned ones come beautifully, you know? I mean, it's it's a lens oh, yeah. that, that ages well with time compared to some other ones that usually either slow down or, you know, they don't become really the best. But this is the 100-400 is one that I feel like I can use, God, probably till you know, almost 2025, 2030 almost, you know? It's a great lens. If not longer, because oh, you know, yeah. Canon quality. Oh, yeah. You know, you know as long as you keep them all tuned up and all that, send them to Canon every so often for, you know, just a nice tune-up, but yeah. It's, it's, but, I think it's reliable, you know, it's like the, kind of like a Toyota of, like, lenses, you know, it's something that, you know, yeah. you just keep fixing it and it just won't break. <laughs> yeah, the indestructible Canon lenses, unless you drop them and destroy them, and yeah, the dude, yeah, oof, no, we, we can't talk about that, that's, that's, it's funny, it's, it's last week, Ryan... Talked about the how he started out with the Nikon Coolpix. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah. Now we got the guy. We even I literally even said and the Canon equivalent. And well, we have the Canon equivalent. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, let's kind of move it into the more the more airplane stuff. The 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 meat of the conversation, if you will. So, what is your uh, so let's start with the airports first. What is your favorite airport to go spot at? Is it Fort Lauderdale? Of course, it's Fort Lauderdale. You know, <laughs> you know what? One of the one of the things you know that I always love to tell people um, from all over is, you know, Miami is great for airplanes. Like you know, there's all this rare stuff. You know, Antonov twelves, DC eights. You know, yeah, that's all great. But with Fort Lauderdale, I love, I love, 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 love the spots. You know, one of the things that you can get at Fort Lauderdale that my friends that come down here and spot with me all the time that they tell me is. You guys have so many spots for spotters. And that's something that, you know, never really hit my mind is, you know, when I go to other airports on the country, there aren't a lot of airports with usually either more than one or just even one spot for spotters. And Fort Lauderdale has three, you know, that are just dedicated to spotters. And I mean, we've found other spots, obviously, you know, everyone finds those little secret spots that are some of the best, you know. Yep. I mean, the fact that we have three separate spots is great. You know, we have Ron Garner, which now we have this little thing there called the hill, which is like a hill of dirt, and um, it you can see over the fence, so it makes that spot even better now. So you can see over the runway and all that stuff and get all the airplanes coming in. Um, then we have uh, Greenbelt, which is on our other side by uh, runway 10 right, and that's also really, really hilly. It was actually like a, a park made for the residents that live by the airport. And it's awesome because you're above the fence, you know, the way that they built it was to be for spotters, you know, for people to enjoy the, you know, the love for aviation. And that's one of the, and that's one of the things that I love about that airport is, you know, they really consider the spotter, not just, you know, the person that lives there, the person that flies out of there. They consider all aspects. They consider the traveler, they consider the businessman, and they consider the spotter. And I think that's one of the things that sets my airport apart from other airports is that, you know, love for spotters that we have. And we also have another spot that's great um, is uh, the Hibiscus Garage, which is a seven-story parking garage in the middle of the airport. And you can just go up there and get rotation shots from both the south runway and the north runway. And you can basically see the whole entire field of, you know, the FBOs, the runways, the taxiways, the terminals. And you can get some of the coolest angles that, you know, you know, you would have never thought of as an aviation photographer. You're like, wow, you know, I never would have thought I could have got this angle before. And of course, you know, one of the things I love also about the Hibiscus Garage is the skyline. You know, I love the Fort Lauderdale skyline because it's so diverse 
and it's so perfectly, you know, sized that an airplane can fit right in front of it. And you don't have to worry about cropping and any of that. It can, it fits perfectly. A lot of, you know, the 737 nines and the 744s that come out of Fort Lauderdale can rotate right in front of it. And it is awesome. And it's, I think it's like a Fort Lauderdale staple at this point, honestly, you know, when people come down here, I think it's just something that they have to get is, you know, a skyline shot because it's just one of those iconic things at Fort Lauderdale that we have that not many other airports are lucky enough to have. Yeah, I agree. That's that's amazing. I, who doesn't who doesn't want a seven four seven rotating right? Exactly. Who wouldn't? You know. And it's great to estimate. You know where you think it's going to rotate, and you always got to. You know, you never know. So you always got to set up right in front of the skyline just in case. And you know, I I always tend to get it perfectly right, which is great because you know I never want to get it wrong. But you know, it's one of those things where it's just like if you can get it in front of the skyline, you know, a seven forty seven in front of the uh, just any high rise buildings. You know, clumped together is just such an iconic shot. You know, it just shows industry and you know infrastructure, and it's just it's just something that's so great and grandiose. You know, and plus, you know, you brought also the fact that how spotter friendly this airport is, and that's and that's a that's a really nice breath of fresh air for people out west because a lot of airports aren't really friendly towards aviation photographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's really awesome that an airport actually took people like us into consideration for doing stuff like that like a park and um I mean, it's like an lax in a way you know yeah, there's yeah, certain yeah. areas of lax but that, that's awesome though that, that 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 gives me hope for hopefully other airports will follow and i know orlando is the same way too orlando is really spotter friendly too right they in used Miami. to well you know it's kind of funny that you bring that up because you know orlando actually people used to call it like the north korea of airports because they used to be really strict about spotting um you know i've had a few run-ins myself you know with the cops up there um, even even just spotting like a regular parking lot, you know, because they just I guess I don't know the difference, but you know now it's it's a lot nicer up there compared to what it used to be back in the day. Obviously, um, Miami is also very spotter friendly. Um, you know, we have El Dorado, which is the spot by uh, nine, runway nine. We also have the holes, but you know, one of the things that's sad is that you know the holes are going away because they're actually expanding the cargo facility out there. So this facility, this place called the holes, was perfect because we used to have holes in the fence that you can just put your camera through. And all the planes that were coming in on uh, runway 12 would just come right in front of your camera. And you would get some of the most amazing, you know, wide-angle shots right there um, of, you know, the Aeroflot A350, you know, Qatar 777, you know, British Airways 744, uh, just anything that comes in on runway 12 that you could imagine. And uh, But sadly, I think that spot's going away within the next uh, probably about a year, possibly sooner. Yeah. They're doing a lot of construction around there. Um, but I, there's, there's a lot of airports down here that are great for spotters, but I think for Lauderdale is definitely my number one, just because it's just, like I said, so spotter friendly compared to other airports that really don't have designated spotting areas. Like there's areas for you to watch planes, but they're not really like, you know, built for the airport by the airport. And that's, and that's, that's really unique. And that is awesome. Continue on with the spotting is what is your favorite airplane to take a photo of. See, now that's a good question, you know, because, you know, you live in South Florida where we have, God, everything, you know. Uh, we have, you know, like you said, your favorite, the DCA. We have the Antonov 12, the Antonov 124, you know, AC40s, AC30s, you know, C130s constantly. We had the Qatar BBJ here all the time. Um, but for me personally, I think my favorite aircraft to spot um, is probably the DCA, honestly. You know, one of the things that I love about the DC-8 is the sound that it makes. You know, it has those four engines on it that make such a buzzing sound. And I just love the fact that you can see something that's like 
50 years old and it just gets up in the air and it's like one of, one of the cool things not just that it gets up in the air but one of the things that i remember when i first spotted it back maybe about a year ago was when it first pushed back i looked out and i saw they had a little like a ladder next to the door and i'm like what the heck i'm like is that a ladder i'm like did this thing already break down like on the first day that i spot this airplane and sure enough what they do is when they push back the airplane they have to have the maintenance people walk back with it to make sure that it starts up because it's so old oh, and what they do is they push the plane back and then they'll start it up and they're like okay it's good we can go now and then they'll have to open the door on the inside of the airplane climb up this ladder to get inside the airplane and then they take the ladder and go back <laughs> and i thought that was the funniest thing because i'm like what i'm like i've never seen an airplane do that and I'm yeah. just like, it's a whole experience when you're freaking, you know, you can watch the pushback, you can watch them get into the airplane via a ladder, you know, and it was just the funniest thing to me. So it, also, it also adds that there's only like six or seven of them that are still airworthy in the world. And it's it's crazy that we have, you know, two of them in South Florida alone. And not, not to mention, you know, back before the pandemic started, we used to have every other summer the NASA... Uh, John Glenn uh, Science uh, DC would come oh, to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It used to come yeah. to Fort Lauderdale every other year because it would do a hurricane research in the middle of August, and it would come to Fort Lauderdale, you know, all the time, and it would fly in and out of Fort Lauderdale uh, for like two or three months at a time, and a lot of people would yeah. come from around the country just to spot it because I mean it would literally just be here every other day. Just, you know, oh, there goes the NASA DC-8 again. You know, it's kind of one of those things that just became like a commoner, like the DC-8 is now. Yeah, a commoner. for us. Uh, now, when, when the NASA DC-8 based in Boise for FireX AQ, man, uh, every time that plane filed, I was out there. I don't care if I had the same angle of it. It's just like, it's just that, it's just that yeah, airplane, right? That's, you it's, know, it's, it's, definitely. It's, it's one of those planes, you know, that, you know, uh, you know, I'm only 19 years old. So, you know, some of my grandparents that flew on those airplanes back in the day, it's nice that I can also kind of live in that moment of spotting those airplanes. You know, it, it's, it's, it brings me back because it's like, wow, you know, imagine mm -hmm. you see like 50 of those instead of just one or two, you know, you see 50 yeah. of them, you know, replace... You know, replace every Dreamliner that you see with a, with a DC-8. And, you know, that's what it was like back in the day. And it's just so cool to be able to relive that kind of history of aviation and be able to, you know, basically unlock those memories of, you know, those olden aircraft that I wasn't able to spot or as, as you know, when, when they were my age or back in the, you know, 60s, 70s, you know, when those were prevalent and very common compared to nowadays where there's yeah. only, like you said, five or six left in the country that are airworthy. Not the country, the oh, world. the world, yeah, the world, yeah, the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My grandfather father took a photo of a Trans Canada Airlines, a TCA DC DC eight fifty or forty with the original turbojets up in Toronto, like in the sixties. Yeah, I was like going, holy crap, that's amazing. <laughs> but, but it's just like that, you know, the DC eight for you is what the seven two seven is for me. Like. I will drop everything if a seven two seven comes in here tomorrow. I will drop everything and I will go. I've gotten I've, so. I've gotten up at you know crazy hours just to spot that thing because I remember you know it used to always take it always takes off around seven in the morning you know and you can get it some of the best lights sometimes. Following on the footsteps of that is what is your favorite aircraft of all time? My favorite aircraft of all time is definitely the A three thirty. You know I'm I'm an Airbus person. You know I hate to you know I know a lot of people don't like that. But you know what? I'm an Airbus guy. Um, I wrote my first college paper on the A330 and how great it is. 
Um, I think one of the things I love about that aircraft is its adaptability. You know, you have the, the 200, the 300, the 800, the 900 NEO. You have the MRTT. You have the ACJ. You have so many of the, the freighter version. You have so many versions of the A330 compared to other aircraft out there that it's just one of my favorite things. And I love the sound of that thing, that uh, of the A330-200 that it makes on takeoff. You know, those Pratt & Whitney's and those Rolls Royces that they just, they buzz on takeoff. And they'll flex and also... You know, you can't mention the A330 without mentioning the duck feet landing gear. You know, that's mm -hmm. one of my favorite things. I remember I flew to Spain and uh, on a Delta A330-300, and I remember landing in it for the first time, and I thought, God, that was such a smooth landing. And I was just like, you know, that's that's those duck feet, you know, landing gear. And I love to watch, you know, the pilots come in and touch down those bottom and then just fold, out, like, fold them right into the runway just like a check a piece of paper. It's just awesome, and it's so satisfying to just watch them just, you know, go from the back wheels to the front wheels and just set it down and then open those reversers, and, oh, it's just, oh, it's an experience. Yeah, we're lucky to have got a, a quite a few A330s in Boise recently. Yeah. Uh, one for the National Guard for their uh, presidential inauguration uh Deployment and the other ones were for Boise State with Hawaiian. I think it's the first time Hawaiian's ever been to Boise. So that was really, that was really cool to see. I've flown on one A330. I slept the whole entire time. I was from Atlanta to Minneapolis. Slept the whole entire time because I had to sleep in the Atlanta airport because the flight before that was a 747 from Seattle to Atlanta. Ooh. So, yeah. So I slept in the Atlanta airport and I sat like, okay, I'll, I'm like, I'll try and stay awake. As soon as we took off, out. <laughs> <laughs> I also had the one, the middle row too. So, I, uh, yeah, so it's not, yeah, it's like you really enjoy it, you know, compared to the, you know some other ones where it's like, yeah, three thirty. If I'm right in saying, also holds the longest glide for like a commercial aircraft too with the Air Transit issue. What was it? Uh, the Azores, the Azores glider, the Azores glider. Yeah, a little girl has a gargantuan wing. Also, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean that that thing. It's 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful aircraft. You know, it's one of the things. You know, I love the wing flex on it. You know, Fort Lauderdale. We have a bunch ourselves, and you know, we have Azul. Um, they bring a bunch of them, you know, back before the pandemic. Oh. We used to have, God, like four or five a day sometimes. And it was awesome. They always had like an 8 a.m. departure. And it would take off right around the sunrise. And you would see like the condensation, you know, form around the engines. And it would just flex out of Fort Lauderdale and buzz. And it would just completely get rid of the entire sound of the airport. And it would just be the 830. And it was awesome. You know, it was, it, this, was, it was it was an, it was an experience. And this the Neo too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we have the Neos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were yeah, we now we have the Neos. Which I love, you know, they're nice, but um they don't rotate as long or they don't really, you know, roll as long as some of the two hundreds. So I can't really get my perfect skyline shot like I used to be able to get it. Um but they're still they're still one of my favorite airplanes, you know, they're a little bit quieter obviously, but they're longer. Um and they look beautiful. I'm waiting on my favorite one, my favorite airplane is the, and it's an A330. <laughs> it's the oh, pink. Wow. It's <laughs> it's it's the pink one. It's the pink Azul A330. I think it's PRANV or PRANX. Um, it's one of those A330s, and it's all the it's it's just like an Azul regular A330 Neo aircraft, but where all the blue is, you replace it with pink, and I just I love that. I don't know why. I just I love the aesthetic behind it. I love everything about it. It's stored in, I think, Chateau, France right now. And I probably just butchered that, but um, <laughs> but I love that color. I just love it on the AT30, and I think it looks beautiful. And I am so ecstatic for it to come to Fort Lauderdale. And I know it's going to be here at the end of the year, hopefully. 
but it's just gonna be a matter of uh, you know just coming to that airport and just spotting that airplane. I think in the morning sunrise, it'll just be something that'll be completely just incredible and something that is gonna be come my new favorite plane to spot after the DC-8. I think so too. Um, from what I'm like, kind of hearing right now is uh, hopefully once COVID starts kind of on the down low, I uh, or starts declining, I should say, I might be taking a trip out there. But we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Be the first person. <laughs> So real quick, before we move on, just a quick question. What's your thought on the A350 replacing A330? Um, you know, I'm not too, f uh, you know, I I'm, I'm very fond of, you know, the A350, you know, I'm a big Airbus person, and, you know, one of the things that I do love about, you know, the A350 versus the A330 is those winglets. You know, those winglets on the A350 compared to the A330 are just gorgeous, and, you know, the, the swept back look is just perfect and of course you know that iconic raccoon uh, you know look that you have uh on the cockpit i i, I think the 850 will be a nice replacement you know it's modern it looks modern it feels modern it you know it everything about it is modern compared to the a330 um you know and i think you see a lot of these airplane companies trying you know better their aircraft but I think once, you know, something can go that far, um, I think, you know, it starts to get a little bit old. And, you know, you have to think, you know, will this be a great aircraft in the future? Probably not. You know, the A330-200 compared to the A380 or the A330-800neo, uh, you know, there's not so many differences. And, you know, the with the A330-800, you know, it wasn't very successful for Airbus. And I think they saw that. And I think they realized that, you know... The A330 is kind of getting outdated and older, and the A350 is going to be that new next-gen aircraft that's going to really, you know, replace it. And, you know, you look at the A350 ULR, you know, something that can fly for almost 21 hours nonstop compared to the A330, which can maybe fly 12, 13 hours nonstop, you know. It's, it's, it's based on, you know, a lot of airlines and just preferences, but I... I love both of them. You know, being the Airbus freak that I am, I love anything Airbus, all things Airbus. You know, if you told me, if you said, what do you think about the 787 replacing the A330, I'd be eh, a little bit different about that. But I think the A350 is a great replacement for it because I think it it's modern, it's nice, it's great. And I think another thing that I like about the A350 compared to the A330 is it gives airlines the chance to really explore their liveries and it gives them a lot of, you know, opportunities to create new liveries. You know, I think we've seen a lot of, you know, new liveries and new specials come out of, you know, something like an A350 that's, you know, shown up and everyone's like, wow, you know, like, look at Aeroflots compared to, you know, their A330s, you know, they're a lot darker and more silver, while, you know, their new A350, it's modern, it's sharp looking, but it's more of like a pearl color, and I, and I love it. I love that innovation, I love that new idea, and I just love how airlines are just starting to get you know, more modern and great about it. And I love the A350 concept, and I think it'll be a great replacement. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have seen some Delta A350s and some other airline, I believe, have been at SFO like a long time ago. But yeah, the A350, is a, it's a, it's a, the, the more I, I research it and the more I see it, the more I like it. I, I, I love the 787. It's a <laughs> great aircraft. Yeah. You know, the eight, something about the A350 is just, it's something different yeah you know? well <laughs> i was gonna say no i think my one my one like arc with the a350 that i despise in a way 
is, you know, the A5100, you know, how, you know, there's no gear tilt on it. And I would have loved if Airbus put gear tilt on that aircraft. You know, you know, you look at the, the A350-900 and you see that awesome gear tilt with that, you know, that two by two landing gear um, in the back. And I'm like, wow, you know, that, that gear tilt looks good. And then you see the A350-1000 with those, you know, triple seven like gear, but yet they're all, you know, just uniformly just sitting there. And that like irks yeah. me so much. I'm like, oh, if that plane only had gear tilt, you know? <laughs> yeah, had the nice duck feet. Yeah, the, the right, duck right. feet, yeah, yeah, Do you have a least favorite aircraft to take a photo of? My least favorite aircraft to take a photo of? You know, that's a, that's a good question. If you even have one. You know, it's, I don't know, because, you know, it, it's kind of hard, because, you know, you think of, like, conditions and all that kind of stuff. I think, for me, I'd say maybe, like, a certain certain prop planes maybe are kind of hard for me are my least favorite because, you know, you have to, you know, prop blur and all that stuff, and I think that kind of bothers me a little bit. Also, I think fighter jets are some of my least favorites because not... Be, like, I love fighter jets in general, but one of the things that, you know, it's kind of hard is to get the right angle for a fighter jet, you know, because they're so thin, you know, especially like an F-22. It's so hard to get, like, a perfect mm -hmm. side shot, you know, especially when you're a little bit underneath it or just a little bit, you know, just out of, you know, the right angle. I think it's just hard to get, like, a good shot of a fighter jet like that. Because, you know, when you see a fighter jet, you know, you want to get the whole plane. But it's kind of hard to get underneath that wing where, you know, the sun really isn't shining down there. So it's a bit hard, you know, when you're editing all that stuff. But overall, like I said, I think it would probably be like a prop plane where I have to, you know, counter, you know, the prop blur and all that stuff. But I've never really taken a, taken a photo of an airplane and been like, God, you know, that plane, I hated that plane. I never want to take a photo of it again, you know? <laughs> Military aviation is for everybody, you know, because usually like, a lot of people are like, oh, fighter jets we all love. And it's like, oh, it's not my favorite. That's that's interesting. That's a very unpopular opinion, <laughs> but I love it. It makes That's why this makes the show unique. There you go, there you go. Because we get... Because we get a sh we get, no, we get a share all this time. <laughs> of course, of course. Everyone, everyone has an opinion. You know, everyone has an opinion, and I think... You know, I, I like to go against the grain sometimes, you know, sadly, you know, but I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's just one of my things. Yeah. So what about the rarest aircraft you've ever taken a photo of? <sighs> See, you know, for you, it would be like the DC-8. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, well, I've, ca <laughs> I've caught it like 15 okay. times. Okay. So how about this? What is the rarest aircraft you've ever taken a photo of that's not a DC-8? <laughs> Um, you know, that's a really good question. I think it, God, you know, there's so much cool stuff that's going to Fort Lauderdale and Miami in general. You know, I, I got to say it's probably, um, probably the Omega 707. You know, I, I've only spotted it once. I've only, like, in the air once I've only spotted it. Um, and that, I think the sound that I heard from those engines was such a cool plane. Um... Or if if not the seven oh seven, then you know what the Sands A three forty five hundred, or or the Sands seven forty seven SP. <laughs> I yeah. think you know just th there's so much rare stuff that comes to Miami. You know it's just in Fort Lauderdale too. You know it's just like you know when you ask a question like you know what's the rarest thing you ever spotted? It's like God. You know you go back and you think okay, well I spotted this 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 and the other, and it's just there's so much stuff. You know that's so rare, but like like you said, I, I would say the seven hundred seven probably because it's something that I don't think it's going to last for a long long time. And unlike the AZ forty five hundred for Sands, I think it's going to be around for a while. And but I, I think the Omega seven hundred seven was definitely the rarest thing that I've caught. 
you know, if you listen to my, to my episode with Diecast Ryan, uh, listeners, you know, I've seen that 707 in person. But, man, the other day I was supposed to go down with my friend to Nellis for today just because. Yeah. And, you know, we had some stuff get in the way, so we weren't able to go. Well, guess what flew the day we were supposed to go down? <laughs> Not the Omega he- 707. It wasn't the Omega, it was the Sans SP. Oh! <laughs> <sighs> you know, you know, I remember that, you know, that's just such a, it's such a pretty plane. It's such a gorgeous plane. It is my number one to spot. <laughs> I, have, I have been trying to get that aircraft forever. Really? Oh my yeah. god. You know, yeah. we, we yeah, were, I have been... we were blessed for it to come here for the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, it literally came, you know, if the pandemic started literally a, a week before, we would have missed it. And it was just something that, you know, I remember my friend gave me the call that morning and was like, Anthony, the 747 Sands SP is coming. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to go down there and catch this. And I was not one of one there. I was one of like 50 people that came from all across the country for Super Bowl weekend. You know, because you know that's one of those weekends where you never know what's going to happen, but we just got lucky. And it was clear skies, it was perfect weather, it was, you know, I couldn't ask for better conditions when that plane came in. It was one oh, day. an experience. It's an one experience. Day. <laughs> one day for sure, I, I will get her, hopefully soon. God, I think actually one of my mutual friends down there, he's also been on the show, he was down in that area, I think at Miami or Fort Lauderdale letter, but he also got it going in there. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot right. of spotters came got, down. He, no, he got no, he was in Vegas. He got it coming back from, from the oh, Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I caught it at the party the next yeah. morning. I drove down to Miami at like six in the morning to go and catch it. Because you never know when the, we didn't know when it was gonna leave. So <laughs> we drove down there early in the morning and we got I mean I barely got it, so just in time. What locations or events outside of spotting at Fort Lauderdale do you enjoy doing? I, you know what I love also, you know, one of the things that I love about, you know, Fort Lauderdale is, you know, the beach, obviously. I love going to the beach, you know. Um, it's just, you know, something that's great and close and, you know, relative. Uh, but I would say also, you know, I love, I love, uh, you know, I'm not a big sports person myself, but I love going to sports games. I, I just love the right. atmosphere. And, you know, Fort Lauderdale and Miami in general, you know, we have so much athleticism down here you know we have the dolphins the panthers the marlins you know we just have we now we have a soccer team we just got they just announced that we have formula one coming here next year um you know like we're, i mean i'm surrounded by sports events so one of the things that i do love to do uh is you know i go to dolphins games i've been to heat games i've been to panthers games and i just love that atmosphere of you know just being at a game and you know just sports in general is just you know, such a uplifting and, you know, exciting thing that's outside of airplanes that can still get me excited and still get me hyped up like that, you know? Well, what about, like, aviation events, like an air show or something like that? Do you like a specific air show or, like, a location outside of, a, outside of like, you know, Fort, Lauderdale, Fort, Fort Lauderdale that you enjoy? Um, well, I mean, we have, like, uh, you know, the Fort Lauderdale Air Show every year. We have that. Um, we also have, you know, the Miami Air Show now. We have the Homestead Air Show. There's also um, a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people know about this actually down here. So we have, you know, the Everglades, and there's a park right by the end of this highway called 595. And I forgot the name of the park, but it's, 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 it's out there. And they actually have an RC runway for RC planes. 
and uh, you can like go out there with like RC planes, and there's other enthusiasts out there with these awesome like RC planes. Like, I mean, I've seen guys out there with triple, with Boeing triple seven aircraft, and you know, seven thirty sevens, and like little you know F fifteens, and it's the coolest little thing because it's all these RC planes. But it's 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 not like a you know like a little like buy one and you fly it around your backyard. It's like a professional RC model, and it's something that you know these these guys that are like in their sixties and seventies go and do on their own time, and they just fly them around. And I remember discovering it when, um, excuse me, my grandmother um, and I were driving on the highway. And all of a sudden, I looked up and I saw this like little airplane. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I looked and I turned to my right and I could see this like whole little runway. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, what is that? Like, it's this little like runway model airport thing. And then my grandma and I just went the next day because we were curious. And we found all these people and we got to... You know, they showed me all their airplanes, and it was the coolest thing. And it's, you know, uh, it's like a just a little RC park for people, you know, of all ages to go, and they just fly their planes, and they show people, you know, what they can do, and they do little air shows, and it's, you know, it's especially popular on the weekend. And it's just, it's awesome. It's something that's not, you know, like big, like the big airplanes, all that stuff, but it's something that's small, but it feels like, you know, you're just like a giant person playing with little airplanes. And they'll let you fly your own little airplane sometimes, or... And you can fly around, but they'll, it's it's awesome to show you, you know, these little models of like a triple seven or like a F fifteen that they added like fake afterburners on, or you know, like little gear retracts and the motors and all that stuff. I think it's that's so cool. My dad was a band of RC helicopters and stuff, and I think that's also kind of the the very very early stages of what got me into aviation. So we have one of those little large trips too, by the Nampa Airport and. Yeah, those are, those are always cool, cool videos to see and, and whatnot. But anyway, uh, dude, let's not, you got so many stories. <laughs> Full of them, man. Dude, let's share one or two. So come on, let's uh, let's share a spot story. Okay, let's us. see. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll share. Let's see. I'll share. Yeah, yeah, I'll share one. Okay. So uh, a few, <clears throat> I'd say a few months ago, probably in I think it was uh, June, maybe uh, around June, July. I drove up to Orlando with my best friend Kevin. Um, and, you know, we went up there for the day to spot with some of the MCO spotters up there and chill out. And we were spotting up there, having a great day, had a great old time. And we went to go and spot this, uh, I think it was a United Dreamliner, I think it was coming in or something. Something was coming in, something rare was coming on the other side of the airport. And we went out and we spotted it and we decided to sit there because there was a few other planes coming in and the lighting was good and the background was nice. So we're like, okay, let's stay here for a little bit. Well, I put my camera on the back of my um, my car, and this was actually with my 75 to 300 millimeter lens on my 6D. So this was God, this was such a long time ago. And you know, I I, I forget things sometimes. I'm forgetful at times. And we spotted our planes, and I'm like, okay, well, let's go. Come on, let's get in the car. Let's go. So we get in the car, and we go, and I start driving off, and all of a sudden I hear this big thunk like behind my car, and I'm like, what the heck was that? And I'm like, does everyone have their camera? And I look at Kevin, and he's like, yeah. I looked at this guy. His name's Otto. He's like, yeah. I look at this other guy, Davin. He's like, yeah. I'm like, is my camera oh, no. back there? They're like, oh, no, no. I think you left it on the trunk. And I like was like, oh, no. And I got out of the car, and I looked back, and I could see it on the road, and the lens split in half. Thankfully, the camera, only thing that, that it sustained was a crack in the screen, but the lens was completely split in half, and I was like, oh my god, my mom's gonna kill me, she's gonna freaking, she, you know, she's gonna murder me when I get home, and I, 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 I was just ruined, and I remember I shared it, and I was just like, I'll never be able to spot again, like, <laughs> 
I was like, this is what, like, this is like my one lens that was like great for, you know, just for photos. And I was like, what am I going to do? So then for the rest, I think for about the next two or three months, um, I, two, two or three months, I actually used a, like a really old 75 to 300 that I had that was like, like the, the motor for the uh, autofocus was broken. So I had to manually focus all my pictures for like three months and just pray to God that they came out clear enough um, until I got my 100-400. Um, and it was, it was a struggle. And, but I mean, I got through it, but that was, I'll never forget that because it was just a sound and then just the realization of me turning around and looking at just my lens and my camera on the ground of the road and thinking, oh my God, how could I, and, and there was a car like in front of me and they were like, the heck is this kid doing running out in the street? You know, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, but my camera is broken into like three pieces on the ground behind my car. <laughs> and I, I'm never gonna forget that. I mean, it was just a sight that I was like, "Oh my god!" And my friends were just laughing at me in the car, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I couldn't even. I couldn't even. It was too much. It was too much. If if that TikTok, oh no, <laughs> literally, back, that, literally that. That's what it was. That was that's literally what would have been playing in that moment. I couldn't imagine. I dude, I couldn't imagine anything. Worse. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it was my 100 to 400, but. I mean, it was my one lens that was reliable, and I was just like, no, like, what am I going to do now? You know? And of yeah. course, of course, when that happened, that's when all this rare stuff came to Fort Lauderdale, like, you know, some American cargo-converted freighter that came from Israel just so happened to come, like, two days later, and I'm like, oh, great, let me just, you know, pull out my broken lens. <laughs> yeah, let's just see, yeah, if, let's it just see if it will magically, <laughs> magically focus today. I, mean, I was, like, so no, scared, because, I mean... You know, that was one of my biggest fears was like, oh my god, you know, like I would, I had my little, like my, my, my index fingers were, you know, around the little auto-focusing at the end, or the little focus thing on the end of the lens to try and help focus it, <clears throat> and I would try and zoom in as much as I can to try and make sure it was as sharp as possible, and I mean, some would come out good, but I mean, others were like, oh my god, like, would it, like a, you know, like a three-year-old take this? Like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Crazy, okay. crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that's, God, I think that's one of the craziest things. That or um, the Emirates inaugural at Fort Lauderdale in 2016, December 2016. Uh, one of the things I remember, uh, I was out there with at least 100 other people and literally 100 other people. And, uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale has two runways. We have 2-8 left, 2-8 right, 10 left, 10 right. Um, and, uh, or 1-0 left, 1-0 right. Uh, and yeah, just like, yeah, just like. Just like Boise's runaways are, are one zero two eights, and they're you know they're on separate sides of the airport, you know, and, and they're separated enough to where you know if you're on in the middle of the airport, you know, one side's back, the one side's not. And this was December, so you know it was good winter light, and you know the perfect runway was um, two eight left, which was you know the Hibiscus Garage spot in front of the skyline. Well, Emirates was bringing a two hundred LR that day, and so we're like, okay, you know, heavy aircraft, it's going to land on this runway. You know, for all those runways, only nine thousand feet and eight thousand feet. You know, we don't have really long runways. Um, so we all assumed, okay, Emirates, big plane, big runway, you know, two and two together, duh. So it's coming in and everyone's waiting and we're like, okay, here it comes guys, it's on final. Well, all of a sudden some guy yelled, it's on the other side. And I mean, there was a flock of people that went from the, the two eight right side to the two eight left side. 
I mean, we ran across the parking garage. And I mean, I'm not the fittest dude, but if it was for Emirates, man, I ran. I was going to speed of sound across that thing to get that dang shot. Um, but one of the things that we forgot was we're like, oh, they're having a huge press event in the middle of the terminal that Emirates is going to, and they wanted everyone to see Emirates come in. And that completely didn't cross any of our minds, and we completely missed the photo of this amazing, you know, triple seven twenty dollars aircraft landing on this, you know, nice runway and, you know, in beautiful, gorgeous, cleared sky, light, but no. They were like, you know what, we're going to request two eight left so we can land in front of all these people. And we were just, oh my god. <clears throat> but that, I mean, I remember just, my grandmother was there with me, because I didn't have my driver's license yet. And I remember she told me, she was like looking down at her phone, and she remembers looking up and seeing all these people run by her car, and it was like, what the heck is going on? And I think she like grabbed me and was like, Anthony, what's going on? And I'm like, I have to get this plane, like I have to go to the other side. And it was just like a flock of like a hundred people going from one side of the parking garage all the way to the other side of the parking garage. It was like oh just a mass swarm of spotters. Like it was, it was something out of like a movie. It was insane. It was insane. That is, uh, I mean, I think I don't think I've ever seen something like that. <laughs> but I just imagine. I just I can just imagine people like no right. literally across. It was, the... I mean, because we didn't realize because you know flight radar. You know when, it, when you, back then this was got like twenty sixteen. I mean it wasn't like advanced like it is now. But you know, if 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 it's off by just a little bit on flight radar, you know, you you don't know if that's the difference between you, the left runway or the right runway, you know. So yeah. and that's why I think at the last minute, I think someone looked on flight radar and was like, you know, we can't see it by now. <laughs> They're like, if we can't see it already, where is it? And then everyone was like, oh my god, it's on the other side. They're just like, oh, you know, how how does this happen to us? That is that's a kick in the nuts, as my friend says. It's not the first plane to do it, and it's not the last. <laughs> Did you uh, did you get her taken off at least? Though? No, because back then they came in the middle of the night, or they took off in the middle of the night. Um, you know that oh, was one of the things yeah. about Emirates, is you know they came to Fort Lauderdale at ten o'clock in the morning every day, and then they would leave at nine o'clock at night because you know the temperature in Fort Lauderdale was so hot that uh, if they used our long runway, it wouldn't be able to take off. You know that was one of the things that Emirates did at Fort Lauderdale um, to help cope with that weight and balance was they would land in the middle of the daytime and then they would park the plane on the Zulu ramp for about uh, probably about 10, 12 hours. And then they would bring it back around 6, 7 o'clock and then it would leave around 9 o'clock so that it was light enough um, to take off in the nighttime or it was, you know, good enough, the conditions. Um, and, you know, it, it used to be, you know, it was so dark or it was, it, you know, it used to be so heavy that when the pilots would take off, if you looked at it when it was taking off, you could see the glow of the GE-90s from how, like, powerful the takeoff oh. would have to be out of Fort Lauderdale for them to just get off the ground. Um, and they, they took off, I think, once in the daytime the entire time they were ever here, um, besides COVID when they brought the 300ERs in here for cargo. But they took off once in the daytime, and it was because we had the shooting in Fort Lauderdale back in January, January 6, 2017, I believe. Um, and all the flights were stopped and I believe the airport was shut down through one in the morning. So Emirates didn't depart that night. Um, so the next day when uh, everything was opened again, Emirates had to depart because there was actually two 777-200LRs on the ground because the regular Emirates flight came that was supposed to come normally came because it wasn't affected. But then the flight that was supposed to leave the night before didn't end up leaving. So it actually had to leave uh, during the daytime at like two o'clock in the afternoon 
because it had to go back to Dubai, obviously, for other planes. And it was the only other time in history at Fort Lauderdale that Emirates ever took off in the daytime. So, and I was lucky enough to be there because I'm like, God, like, you know, how cool would that be? And I was lucky enough to be there um, to catch it departing. And it was just one of those like memories that you'll never forget, you know, with Emirates. Uh, There's something about this. I mean, people like, ooh, Emirates is like, yeah, but they, but there's something about like their aircraft is like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, no matter it's, what, it's a gorgeous you know? aircraft, it's gorgeous, gorgeous livery, gorgeous sound, gorgeous everything. You know, you, you said set, you know, triple seven to the two hundred LR. I'm like, mm, that's yeah. oh, it's such an ideal aircraft. You know, it's it's perfect. You know, big engines. You know, raked wingtips. You know, it's it's such a great aircraft. You know that yeah. that triple seven gear. You know, and just that. Um, they have the special GE 90-115B, so they have the extra big ones that usually go on the 300ERs compared to the 200ERs, um, and you just get that deep tone that, you know, that just can completely silence the airport. I used to, like, when I used to come home my, on my late-night flights when Emirates would leave, I used to literally stay behind, like, an extra 15 minutes just to, like, hear it take off in the parking garage because it would literally shake the airport because it was just yeah. such... A noise that it would produce, that it would just shake shake the entire airport on the startup, on the taxi, on the takeoff. Like it was just, it was something else. It was something else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, luckily I was able to get a couple two hundred LRs in Seattle back when they were running two daily from Seattle to Dubai. So they used to send in the uh, two hundred LR in the morning, which is really nice. I used to fly up there, spot spot from the. Uh, from the uh, from the from the airport from the terminal side and then yeah so that was always always fun but but anyway man let's start wrapping her up after the heels of those two those three amazing stories man but what tips or or words of encouragement do you have for the listeners? you know I'd say just keep striving for greatness you know I have almost uh, I have almost thirty thousand followers on Instagram and I never thought I would ever get here and I think it's just you know something that I try and humble myself with every day because I think, wow, you know, it's something that people really want to, you know, take in is they want to watch me and they want to see my photos and they want to see my photography. And it humbles me as a person, you know, to think, wow, all these people, you know, I started from nothing back in like October of 2016 and now I'm here. And it's just such great. It's, it's something that's so great that, you know, I was able to go from just a few hundred followers to over 30,000 now. And it's something that I can pass on to anyone, is if you do your hardest, you can get the work done. You know, if you try, if you just go for the goal, you'll get it done. You know, it may take time, and it took me years, but you know what? You're going to get there. And it's something that has pushed me to just do my greatest every time I post a photo, every time I post a story. I think, wow, you know, will this help me? Will this... What will this do for my career in the future? What is this photo going to help me with? What opportunities could I get from this photo? And that's something that you never know. You never know if the airline is going to maybe repost your photo. You never know if maybe a flight attendant will see it and then pass it on to the marketing person who will pass it on to the CEO who will then email you and say, hey, I want that photo in my office. You know, so that's something that I would love to see. Uh, you know, you never know who is watching you. You never know what you're doing on Instagram when you're doing it. You know, it's something that you always have to take charge of. And no matter what yeah. follower account, no matter how big your account, no matter how small your account, always remember that the, the harder you try, you know, the better you can do. Just humble yourself and just get, you know, get, get to your goal. You know, set a goal for yourself. Say, hey, I want to get to this. I want to do this. Do it. 
get it done, and I know you'll get it done. You know, it's something that I always put forward was, you know, those goals of um, just trying to do my best whenever I can do my best. And that's something that I pass on to others is do your best. Do the best that you think you can do, and it will get you far in life. That is so well said, man. That was That's perfect. You know, strive for greatness. It doesn't matter to your follower count. Trust me, man. I've been posting on, on a, a, IG for since 2015. I got 4,600 followers. Do I care? Exactly. I and you know what? Some some I, people that have those little those have those, it doesn't matter the number because you know it's the content. It's not about the followers. It's not about you know the likes. It's not about that stuff. It's about the content that you produce. You know, if you produce this awesome mountain background photo, you know, it'll get recognized. People will see that photo. It doesn't matter your follower count. It doesn't matter the likes. People will see it, and they'll say, wow, look at this guy. You know, he's a great photographer, you know, with this mountain background. He does great editing, great this, great that. His photos are nice. His camera equipment's great. And that's something that I think everyone can relate to, you know? It's something that's great. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you like your – if people like the content, like the content, you know, and – well, speaking of Instagram and all that, uh, where can people find your work? Either on Facebook or Twitter or you know, I'm mostly on so. you know, I'm mostly on uh, Instagram. You know, aviation underscore ft Lauderdale. Uh, that's my main. You know, I have a Twitter, but I mean, I rarely ever use it. That's really all. You know, I, I've I never really posted on Flickr or Facebook or you know uh, all any of that stuff. I really just kept to Instagram because you know I think I can get my you know my work out there and show it to people and get around. You know, compared to some other websites where it's a little bit harder to do so but I, I mostly share my stuff all on uh, instagram you know aviation for lauderdale that's my main page so <laughs> well there you go uh, but guys go give him a follow if you haven't already please make sure you go follow him and you will see what he is talking about with that uh skyline shot from fort lauderdale and all of his <coughs> dc8 stuff um and all that awesome amazing stuff but uh please go check him out go follow him go give him some support go give him some love um you know Trust me, he needs some. He needs some reward for Probably. doing this after we tried to do <laughs> this. Because almost a week, man. Yeah, well, guy coming on the show. I'm not gonna drop who who it is yet, but I I very severely dropped the ball with him. But we're not gonna talk about that. Well, we'll he'll be on. We are setting up another time. It probably will be my biggest guest today. Bigger than Ryan. Bigger than Kadar. It's foreshadowing. 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 <laughs> oh. oh. Man, I'll say that if he's he's also uh, part of the one of the largest aviation podcasts um, currently. So we're not gonna name names, but we're but anyway. But um, guys, if you guys haven't already, please go check out the Facebook page, the Aviation Spotters Podcast Facebook page. Um, I am relying on it very very heavily right now. Um, so not as much Instagram. But please go check out Facebook. But if you guys know anybody that wants to come talk aviation with me here on the AVSP, shoot me an email, askbotterspodcast at gml.com. Send me a DM on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Send a message on Facebook as well. Check out the YouTube page. I always have to say this, guys. If you know somebody that doesn't have access to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, there are those people out there, believe it or not. Show them the YouTube page. It's a great way for them to listen to the podcast, and maybe they might be able to. They would want to come on the show and talk with me on here because I would really love to do that. So anyway, Anthony, um, anything else to add before we wrap up this no, evening? We had a great conversation, man. I was glad to be on here. <laughs> awesome, man, and I thank you, thank you for your patience, and thank you for your time. I, I really do appreciate, it. and that was a wonderful discussion, and I hope all you guys thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. 
So anyway, guys, that's going to do it for me on another episode of the Aviation Spotters Podcast. And as always, keep your batteries charged on this camera. Oh, the Aviation Spotters Podcast.